Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. I'm Ray Rossini, and joining me today is Mr. Kyle Spooner of MSP Geek. How are you doing, my friend? I am great. How are you? Good. Uh, I see we have an extra special guest uh, in your screen. We have uh, Goots as well. Um, I feel like we can't have an MSP, I, we can't have any MSP community conversation without Goots involved at, at this point. So it, it's nice to see him there. Yeah, he wanted to tag along, and I was like, sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of what I'm seeing, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. You want to describe this jacket that you're wearing? This uh, it's, incredibly festive jacket, sir. I mean, it's it's the it's tis the season, right? There's a lot of holiday it happening uh, all, all around the world. So I figured I could, you know, since I'm on the community, I should, you know, dress up for the community. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Hanukkah started what yesterday? We have Christmas coming up. Yeah. We have uh, definitely have Festivus, no question about that. Right. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, sounds good. Um, so I appreciate you stepping in. Obviously, Matt Topper is uh, is off today. Um, just as some housekeeping, we are going to do today. Uh, we will have MSP Community Live next Friday as well, and then we're going to take a hiatus for a couple weeks uh, with all the event shows. Uh, so we can enjoy the holidays, and hopefully you guys enjoy the holidays too. Um, so, Kyle, uh, let's let's get the really important stuff out of the way. Mm -hmm. MSP GeekCon uh, oh. coming up next May. Yep. Uh, tickets have already opened up. Um, you have the call for speakers through December thirty first, I believe. January thirty first. January thirty first. Uh, so there's still time for that. Um, you want to give us some of the goodies to expect out of MSP GeekCon for those who don't know yet? Uh, so, yeah, um, the this event is taking all, you know, last event that we did in this May. Uh, and we have taken all the feedback we've gotten from that and fixed all the problems that were, uh, you know, on the list to make better. Um, right. Uh, so, you know, we we expanded our talks. We've added a whole new track. Um, we've uh themed this year it's around celebration which isn't just a celebration of the event it's a celebration of everything the individual the msp the vendors everybody um and we have a, our fourth track is going to be tied to our theme which is celebration so um yeah early bird tickets are 399 same price as last year and they also end january 31st so get in while they're available um they are going really quick this year um and oh, there's a picture of us from last year. That's great. Uh, and Goots. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, what was it? 53% owners last year. Um, how many? What was the percentage of first-time attendees? It was also uh, ridiculously high. It was in the 50% as well of no one who uh, have been to an event before. Um, and yeah, I mean, very that's, surprising. That's <laughs> kind of awesome. I mean, it is great. You know, that's uh, what we were trying to get. We know we know that technicians and, you know, those around the technicians don't, um, you know, generally get to go to events like this and learn and grow as an employee. Yeah. And the owners that sent those technicians, we appreciate you. We hope you, you know, they found value to send them back again. Um, we're working on making sure that we can provide the value and the education that uh, a not, our nonprofit community can do. So um, I, I don't know if we can do a, a holiday card. It's a little late. Uh, <laughs> but I'm gonna write that down for next year for sure. There you go. Not not in the second year. Not yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, and speaking of uh, nonprofit community good stuff, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention something that uh, we're both uh, supporting heavily. Uh, Rejection Con also, and there's MSP mm -hmm. Geeks uh, logo right up there. Yep. Uh, Rejection Con next week, uh, December 12th through 14th 
every ounce of every penny that you pay toward registration goes directly does not pass go goes directly to uh the nonprofit, uh, and actually that's where the receipt comes from. Yeah, yeah. the rural tech fund. Uh, we're trying to get to that goal of ten thousand um, dollars. MMN is absolutely supporting this as well. Um, please, even if you can't afford anything, go register anyway. Spread the yeah. word. Um, pay what you can. Uh, it's a great event. I'm actually speaking with Mindy. Um, to, uh, the I first saw it marketing. Day. How did that work out? It's not marketing. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I I did I did a really horrible job of I understand why it was rejected now, um, <laughs> which is the, the point of rejection con. It is yeah, it's, okay, uh, it's all the people that have been rejected. It's right? the the our talk is it's called why things break in the middle, but it's dumb. Uh, it's a dumb title. Um, we're discussing leadership and middle management and the training and fostering of those uh, newly promoted or those who have been in the job who have never had leadership training before and why you should do it. Uh, that's basically the, the premise of the talk, but, um, so you're not doing ethical, ethical marketing for next gen MSPs. No. Um, what in the world was that? <laughs> so that was on the website as of yesterday. Are you serious? I swear that. So that, um, so our good friend, Dean Trempolis, uh, I was talking shit with him. I'm like, okay. I like, I get it from the client perspective. Uh, cause neither of you guys you know, proclaimed to be marketers in the least bit, um, but definitely have been on the receiving side of bad marketing. So I was like, okay, maybe they're approaching from that side. <laughs> I didn't know. So yeah, that is on the website, um, or at least I saw it yesterday. Uh, so yeah, just thought you should uh, know. That's you, not maybe. it. Uh, I think I think that's Megan's talk. Um, uh, Megan, yeah, because Megan Killian is on there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's her talk. Okay, maybe a little bit of a web web development issue. Uh, we'll take that up with Wes and Kyle and Alex. I'm already um, DMing them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what you call it, we did have some good laughs, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about stuff in the community. Uh, and for the, uh, if anybody has any questions, again, MMN is a thousand voices, one community. So whether it's Geek, whether it's IT Pool Party, Tech Tribe, Reddit, I don't solar winds, uh, or not solar winds, uh, spice works. I don't care. Um, you know, it's the community period. So that's what we're talking about. And you had nominated this first story of your largest customer comes to you and asks if you can reduce their bill by about 10% as they have to cut back on operating expenses. What do you do? Uh, we had this come up recently. Curious. What would your approach be besides the pitchfork knee jerk of the price is the price, take a hike response. Uh, the relationships in a perfect spot, deliverables are being met or exceeded. Um, Kyle, I'm sure you've been in this position before. Um, what say you, sir? How would you respond to this? Uh, it's a very tough question because it, the first thing that comes to mind is why, right? Uh, I, I, if there's a situation to where you know the, the client's hurting right now they have some things in the in the pipe um it's just not happening right now and they'd like to lower a cost for a short amount of time sure like we can work something out maybe put you on a, a payment plan you know to do a discount something something to, something. to assist yeah. you right uh, but if they're just coming and asking for a discount that's probably going to be a no mm -hmm. um we are a business just like they are and it's not something 
within the rise of inflation that everyone has occurred with, right? We also have to take into account increase in salaries, increase in, um, you know, the job market because our costs go up. Yeah, everything's gone up, uh, and taking a ten percent hit uh, is pretty can be pretty hefty, um, especially if an agreement's not already profitable, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so For sure. or even like barely profitable. There's it, if if the client wants to work with me, I'm happy to work with them. But if they're just coming to get a discount, like if they hire a new person and they come in and like, hey, we need ten percent off, I'm like, well, hey, it's not something we can do. I apologize. Yeah. I mean, we all want stuff. Nothing right? wrong with that. But... I'd like 10% off all my fees too. <laughs> right? I mean, look, um, so admittedly, I'm the guy that does this. Um, I go back to my vendors uh, every year, once a year, um, and I review, audit, and sometimes renegotiate the contracts. Um, I don't go in asking for 10%, but I do go in. Um, this is a standard process and they know, they know we're going to have this yearly conversation. Um, and the reason is because our volume is greater year over year. I know exactly what we're bringing to the table. Um, so part of it is just making sure we're being charged at the appropriate tier, right? Cause not every, not every yeah. vendor charges you less immediately. Um, they don't ever go back and review that. That's up to you to, to poke them on. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and, and so that's, that's a fair thing. Right. If, yeah. if, if, if you're pricing, if I've hit a different tier and my pricing is going to go down temporarily as I continue to ramp up. Um, sure. That's great. Uh, you know, and I understand that that's fantastic. Um, but so it's funny. Uh, well, before we get into this, uh, Dean's comment, um, I want to play the game that you started. What do you think they said? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so what do you think? What do you what do you I, think uh, was a Reddit response? I'd like to immediately go with tell them no and to screw off. <laughs> right, it is Reddit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think people are going to be uh, genuinely. I I think it's going to start with why. Like why are they asking you for it? And you know, as Zoidberg commented, uh, you know, it's a it's odd that they're not going. Hey, we need help. Uh, can you help us? You know, lower some costs. Um, I probably want more information prior to making a, you know, giving some advice, but, uh, that's yeah. what I think is, yeah. So I, I did a little reading. The first response was actually exactly where I'd come from. Um, I've seen that before. Great tactic, usually brought up by professional procurement by requesting 10% off the top line. It changes the shape of your negotiation. Now you're maybe think yourself lucky just maintaining current pricing instead of asking mm -hmm. for an increase. UK compound inflation is roughly 30% since 2020. Jesus. Um, that's a vast amount Huge. of net profit. Uh, having what having a written well-researched pricing strategy and stick to it, review annually. Uh, economy tightens up, you get more client churn. Um, no excuse for being bullied into unprofitable clients. So to that end, um, yes, when you go in with a ridiculous amount of negotiation, uh, fully expecting it to come down from there, um, you know, even if you end up at, uh, nothing when most vendors are raising your prices every year, it, it's, it's a good technique. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, I would venture to say 10, 10% is just a out of the, out of the box, ridiculously crazy number, but not a number that's so crazy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't negotiate, right? Mm -hmm. If they started with 30%, you're going to be like, go fly a kite. Yeah. Um, 10% is within the realm of U.S. national inflation is 9%. 
so it's within the realm of, you know, most uplifts are between five and 7% on a contract annually. Um, so it's a smart place, uh, in my opinion. Um, um, that's a, the, the additional context he provided uh, is up one more post uh, from that one on the top. Um, that to me leads that, you know, it's an easy client. Uh, they're not being malicious, at least that he's aware of. Um, mm. But I would, I mean, I'd, I'd be like, okay, what's the, what, just tell me what the problem is so I can help you resolve it. Because, you know, I'm of the opinion to, to try to maintain partnerships and relationships with our client base, right? We don't want to be uh, an ISP type vendor, right? We don't want to just be like, okay, no, uh, yeah. I want to, I'm happy to work with you. I'm happy to, to, you know, figure out a solution to the problem. If you can tell me what the problem is now, if you, if it is something you've done yourself, uh, that answer still yeah. might be no, but you know, if, if it's, Hey, I need, uh, I'm, you know, if he, as he said that, Hey, there's these massive projects we're doing, there's just a huge amount of cost. The board is trying is on my case about lowering some costs. And I'm like, well, what if we, you know, took 10% off for the next 12 months, but then rolled that yeah. into the next 12 months. Right. Is that something we can do? Yeah, that's uh, in right. that it's it's showing them we are willing to work with them, but uh, you know because everybody has cash flow issues every now and again. Yeah. Um, the one advice I would give is don't start don't start arguing against points they haven't presented yet. You sure. know, um, there's there's a good saying of uh, don't you know it's better than to think you a fool than to open your mouth and prove them right. Um, my strategy going into these is start with what you said, why, and then dead stop. Like, shut the hell up. Let them talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to come up with whatever's on their on their mind, and you go from there. But don't. Oh, your audio is going quiet. You, you faded <laughs> out. Oh, there we go. We're back. There we <laughs> go. That Sorry was, about that. that. That was awesome. It was like you were talking, and it's just like we're fading into nothing. It was it's like a uh, Wile E. Coyote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, but you get what I'm saying. It's it's yeah. a smart it's a smart play, but... Um, on Why? the defensive side, just ask the question, shut the hell up, let them ask what they're going to ask. It's What's not... the uh, troubleshooting step? Yeah, you ask five whys and you'll get the real reason. There you okay. go. Uh, there should be more indicators than an email or phone call asking for a discount. We we'll compare with other factors here. If we trust the technology advisor, our client's PL shouldn't be a surprise. So that's, uh, I'll push back on this. I, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I do. In, in a perfect situa situation, in a perfect scenario, yeah, we're we're that tight with the client. We're basically a, another their IT arm, and yeah. we have a great relationship, and we work together, and they're willing to share part of their PNL with us. But in the real world, uh, that doesn't happen. The client considers us an ISP vendor, and while we try to build that partnership and that relationship. Um, that's only when things are going right. If anything's right. not going right, we're now an ISP vendor again, and they're not going to show their PL with us. They're not. They're barely going to give us a budget if that. And it's a fight tooth and nail to get all that happening. So, and that, yeah. that's easy to say with a small MSP client, right? When you're like, when the client's 25, 15 users, whatever, um, it's really easy to know all the members of management. Um, when it's a larger client, when it's you know 100 users, 500 users, whatever it is. Um, I mean, even 50 users, the truth of the matter is you're going to have multiple people that you're going to be talking with on a regular basis mm -hmm. and their CIO, if they have one or um, their HR contact or their finance contact, you could be dealing with any of these. Yep. Um, and so even though you have a great relationship with their CIO or CTO or whoever happens to be, 
finance could be the one coming in or it could be new finance person mm -hmm. right there's there's yeah. lots of reasons for this um so uh let's see um what was the other one uh msp got bought out by 20 person what to expect 40 person msp bought out my 20 person msp all right what to you, you want to read this one for us and give us the uh, uh sure um 40 person msp located in ohio we're the smaller company located in new england the 20 person company uh, i am in customer service the owner sold last friday we've been told the two new owners plan to carry on the legacy both owners are meeting one one-to-one -one with each employee to ensure the future of the company and basically telling everyone not to worry my manager seems convinced that she will have her job after the meeting so, uh, some veteran sysadmins have told me they're doubtful and see the writing on the wall. Uh, my meeting will be approaching and wondering what it will be like. They all seem to be about an hour long. Should I try to stick around in hopes of getting a package or some unemployment money while I continue to job search? <laughs> yeah, Dean's ever speak about out twice um, by much larger companies. And actually, uh, I should point out, we did a partner first before Dean came on, uh, and I'll put the link in here when I find it, uh, talking about that experience of being in an MSP that got bought out by a larger company. Um, but Kyle, I don't think you got, you've been through this one yet personally, right? Uh, I have not. Um, but it's, it's a hard... Because of the size of the MSP buying this company, I don't think there's going to be any major issues. Um, it's not a 400-person company coming in saying, all right, we're buying you. Uh, at that point, I could understand some of the feelings of writing on the walls and yeah. um, in that situation. Now, eventually, because a company is buying a company, the departments overlap and systems overlap. You will absolutely have either some turnover or some movement in the company because you don't need two finance departments. You don't need two operations departments, right? That doesn't need to exist in two companies right. in, in a single company. Um, the uh, so that will happen a hundred percent. But the majority of an MSP is not those departments. It's the technicians. It's the staff. It's the project engineers. Those people are almost irreplaceable when you buy a company at this level. Um, nine times out of 10, like at me, if I was if I was the 40 person MSP going in and buying a 20 person MSP, that company is staying as whole as I can keep it for the longest time. Um, and the because the customers that I'm buying, the contracts that I'm buying are supported by the staff members. That means they're familiar right. with them. Um, there are uh, you know, issues that we could probably fix for them, right? There's there's a whole bunch of challenges to solve, like culture and, you know, systems integrations and things like that. But overall, I don't think this is going to be a malicious uh, come in, cut everyone, get everybody out, and I'm just buying the contracts, right? I don't think this is a, a scenario of that nature. Um, the, si the, the size just doesn't add up. So... I, I don't disagree with you um, in the sense of like a 20 person MSP, a 40 person MSP. They're, they're not much different in makeup, honestly. Um, so I, I'm with you on that uh, 100%. My, my thing is, if you're looking at it in terms of efficiency, there's absolutely going to be overlap though, right? Mm -hmm. A 20 person MSP does have an admin and finance person. Mm -hmm. 40 person MSP absolutely has at least one of those. You may not need both, right? Um, as if there's any kind of RMM or PSA admin, you know, duplicated across both, 
who knows? Not to say that there's not other positions. Um, yeah, the goal's not to, you know, it, it depends on what the goals are, right? So Dean, uh, Dean touched on that a little bit. Um, you're buying a functional business. The goal is buying a business isn't to gut the place. No, but if you're buying it because they're functional, you're going to leave them alone like a franchise, great. But if you're buying them because you're going to integrate them, then there's going to be overlaps and cuts, right? Um, you don't know why. And the only thing universal about these is whatever they say at the all hands meeting, just ignore that because they're not going to tell you what they're actually. They don't have do. enough information to be able to make those calls at the all hands meeting. Exactly. That, that's their intent. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Most of the time. Again, it depends on the, the situation. Like if, if someone a 700 MSP bought a 20 person MSP, that all hands meeting I'm thinking is probably BS and not going to be real. Um, but this, if there was an all hands meeting, I think that would be absolutely their intent. Anything that they said, but again, there's I, I information. A person company would have more spaces to consume those other new employees. Possibly, it, de it depends on the the if if they already have a presence in there and they're just buying the company. The the I mean, they may keep some staff around, but they might also think, hey, we're not overburdened. We can absorb these contracts without absorbing the staff, um, and we could just see who's great and keep them right. Uh, it, it just really, there's, there's a lot of context that's missing in someone buying another company. Um, yeah. So here's a, here's a salient point. You can't expect new code and know that your Kyle's or Dean's are already amazing. It's probably the hardest pill for mid level people to swallow. So how do you elevate that? How do you make sure that they know that you're amazing? Let's say IntelliCamp gets bought out today and you want them to know Kyle is phenomenal. This is the guy you want on your team, no matter what the name of the company is. Are you How asking you me that? as Kyle or are you asking me as the business owner who just sold the company? I'm asking you as Kyle, the guy that works at the company but is not the business owner. Um, see, actions. Um, I haven't been in a buyout situation, but I have been in a liquidation situation. Um, and I've, I would do the same thing I did in that situation, be as helpful and as, you know, in the transition period be as helpful and as willing to help you know as you know willing to do stuff that needs to be done regardless of the, the roles or situations um i'm comfortable in what i do and how i do that if if the new culture doesn't fit me that you know hey it's just not working out i'll just have to go find something else you know and that sucks but you know that's life right you know sometimes yeah. it just doesn't fit and that's okay um but Generally speaking, um, it's, you know, it, it, I wouldn't, because to me, it feels horrible to walk up and be like, I'm amazing. You should know that. Right. Because <laughs> no, that's the first thought that pops into my head is to do but it. It's I'm not like, crazy that's to sit there and try to, like you say, be helpful, make sure they know you're an integral part of the transition plan. Um, you have to give them those opportunities to notice you. Right. It's no different than, you know, college football and scouting and anything else you have to show them that there's something there to pay attention to yeah um it's i stumped i stumped it's, it's not, <laughs> because i don't i don't like bragging i don't like i know I'm good at stuff like I, and that feels gross to me if, if it goes back to marketing uh, if you want to talk about marketing like it feels wrong even though it's people do it all the time but i think that if if i'm actually truly valued at the current company that just got bought out then it will easily level like depending um 
it, it you know it'll get back to the new owners right if yeah. you're that good if you're that integral to the current company it, even if it's an overlapping position like if it's in a finance position but you're absolutely mm -hmm. dominating everything in the company and you're you know you find ways to help out everywhere that will get to the owners and that will if they're paying attention obviously if they're paying attention right yeah. uh but you know there's it, it'll absolutely get back to them without you having to go i'm the best <laughs> Oh man, it's it's tough. Uh, and maybe this is why you're giving that marketing talk at Rejection Conduct Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, here's another one I, I wanted to. Speaking of uh, not upselling to your bosses, but upselling to your customers, um, we're trying to focus more on cybersecurity as we continue to see this growth on a daily basis. We want to protect our customers as well as ourselves. Do you include proactive monitoring within your agreements for customers for 365? Uh, I know proactive isn't just 365. If not, how do you upsell this to your customers? My only concern is the question, I thought you already did this for us. Advice is much appreciated. Oh, the thoughts I have. But uh, I'm not an MSP right now. You are. So Kyle, <laughs> let's start with you, man. So I'm going to preface my answer with uh, I hate sales and marketing. Uh, it is not an area that I enjoy. Go my, my opinion of how to do sales is different from the traditional overarching current situation of sales. Um, I think that MSPs are like MSPs are so unique. Every single one of them is different and just talking about this is just like frustrating because I, I understand why they they have this problem. Yeah. But I wouldn't get into this problem. Um, proactive monitoring, if you're uh, is in general should be something you cover in your in, in your agreement, regardless of what system it is, if, if you can monitor it, you should monitor it on behalf of your client, and it should be something you already do. Um, if not what are you because at that point you're almost like a slightly better break fix let, let me let me give an easy 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 answer to this kyle what's market rate if you're charging per user in the msp world today uh it varies but generally 150 to 300 dollars a user okay so if you're collecting 150 to 300 can you adequately adequately protect most office users yeah easily yeah so there's your answer. Charge appropriately. You can swap out the tools as you need. Um, that was, and I know I'm being incredibly simplistic about this. That's the exact thing I would do. <laughs> but that is a simple answer. It was, I charged 185 to 225. My last MSP client that I took on was 2016. That was the last MSP sale I did. So for back then, 185 to 225 was actually on the higher end. It of was very high, yeah. Um, nowadays I see some people charging hell Mid. a lot more, which is amazing, but good yeah. for them. Um, but I can tell you when I charged appropriately, I never had to have tool conversations with my clients. Their thought of, I thought you already did this for us. The answer was always yes. Cause I charged enough where if something came up, I had to do it. I could afford to fit it into the stack. It wasn't a problem. So I didn't have to worry about did they have WebRoot or you know any other MDR. Yes, I use WebRoot once upon a time. We, I did too. Uh, don't worry. 
Yeah, everybody did, I think, at some point. Um, you know sure. what I mean? But like if I had to swap one EDR for another EDR, or if I wanted to move from G Suite to 365, or I wanted it was never a financial you to conversation. Add this specific tool set because so that that's my thing, right? Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's an all it's an all you can eat contract. Give yeah. them all of the stuff, give them everything. And you know, the only thing I would say maybe not include would maybe something like an Office 365 license. I can understand not including that. I yeah, would, just because it simplifies it complicated. I get but, it. Yeah. Um, have it because like, right, we talked about inflation earlier. Your your cost should increase yearly, and yep. that allows you to continue to maintain your margin. And as long as you're uh, actually inside, like actually checking the profitability of your clients and they're not, they don't have a pattern of abuse of your agreements and they're not, you know, it's not a thousand dollar contract that's using a hundred hours a month. Right. Yeah. As long as there are no, no issues like that. And it's just, if you're good, just as you increase, you can add those features. You can add those sections without having to go to the client and be like, I need more money from you, please. Um, because and you got to justify budget. that. If you have an annual uplift, they can actually budget. If you have a mm -hmm. per user cost, they can budget because if you're sitting there and having them, quarterly reviews with them and your third or fourth quarter every year is a planning for the next year and you know what their hiring plan is they know exactly every employee how much extra it's going to cost them you've planned that out in advance if you're doing your job yeah. so there's no surprise i i do love this uh comment from dean uh if you go to a michelin star steak place uh you assume they use the best steak if they get a new supplier tomorrow for better steak you're going to continue to get the best steak possible um and I think that's that's a perfect example. The MSP yeah. is doing the best for the client, period. But that involves some money, right? That's not money is not a bad thing. Um, uh, you know, that, that's the conversation we've had with Slagle and, and Tom Lawrence and others of, you know, what do you do with the mom and pop that can only pay 20 or 30 bucks a user? Can you adequately support them? No. And my answer is no. <laughs> I mean, you charge thirty dollars a user. That does that covers the cost of you having your services installed. Yeah, that doesn't cover any labor or any because you're paying. You're paying you as an employee are paying anywhere from thirty to sixty dollars an hour for your technicians, and <clears throat> if they're paying thirty dollars a user per month, that means you can maybe have like an hour's worth of work to stay profitable, right? And, and it's not something that you got to, it's just. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's what kills me because you always get the argument of, well, does that mean they don't deserve to be protected? It's not a deserved thing. It's not a fair thing. You don't have a moral obligation to support everybody on the planet. There are some people that can't afford cars. Are you going out and buying them a car? You can't afford your internet bill. Does that mean they're going to come and lower your pricing? No. Exactly. Um, and while I agree 100% with Dr. Zoyberg and how to add a 75 to 85% gross margin, because that is self-serving, I'm not going to bring that on screen. <laughs> you Something about was, OIT VoIP. Uh, yeah, you should have seen how he was torturing poor uh, Connor at ITNC, uh, trying to get him to use MobileX, uh, our MVO solution. It was hilarious. It was like the start of every conversation. Um, um, so here, the next question that follows this is immediately, how do I move from my really bad setup contract to an actual decent one? And that's yeah. to have a conversation, talk to the client, tell them where they're going, tell them why you can, can't act adequately support them with what they're doing. Yeah. And so, and, the, and through the evolution of your business, <laughs> poor Connor, um, and, uh, you know, I'm, 
as you go through the evolution of your business, your MSA is going to change. That mm -hmm. That is going to happen. I know Bride Gross, Rob Scott, and everybody else tells you, you know, your contract, your MSA should be set in stone. Life changes. I mean, it should change. be set in stone, yeah. but it should also evolve. <laughs> it, exactly. It evolves. Um, and so there is going to be the point where you have, you're, you are going to have to have that conversation with the client because none of us started there, our first MSA with uplift, annual uplift charges in there. None of us started that way. None of us started with MSAs that we're charging appropriately or covering our asses appropriately. Um, so there's going to be that point where you have to have the conversation with the client, which is why you should be reviewing these annually with your client anyway. Um, you know what I mean? One solves the other. These are simple answers. I hate to say it, but like as... So I, th I think the problem that, and, and this is with any MSP, the problem is they don't want to say no to the client. Yeah. They don't, they, they are scared of them leaving. It's okay for a client to leave. It's okay for it you is. to help a client find a better partner because yeah. it's not a good fit anymore. That is okay. Your clothes that you wore in high school probably don't fit anymore. The clothes you wore in elementary school definitely yeah, don't fit. It's and they've okay. been out of style and in style and out of style again. Probably. I think we're in the seventies now, we're back in the <laughs> 70s. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's okay. Uh, to do this. Uh, also, if you do have an uplift, make sure to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love those. Oh, yeah. I forgot we had an uplift. It's been three years and the client's like, what the hell happened? Three years. I've seen yeah. some with 15. Yeah. I have an uplift every year. Never had an uplift. It's in the contract. Hey, you charge a 1975 prices. Yeah, man. Sure. Um, but it's okay to say no. It's okay to lose a client. It's okay. It's not going to kill you. Right. If, a, if, if, if a client leaves and that breaks your business, you have other problems you should be worrying yeah. about. So Dean actually talked about this on the partner first that we did. Um, he said the after they were purchased, the new owner just went up and uplifted every contract by twenty percent. And yes, they lost. I, Dean, you think you? I think I think you said you lost like one or two. Um, it so, wasn't anything crazy, but the revenue that was gained from that was ridiculous. I, I was gonna yes, I was gonna say is uh, if you raise your prices by fifty percent and you lose fifty percent of your net revenue, you've still gained. You gain and you're doing less. Yeah, you you <laughs> get you you have made no you have changed no more no money has changed right. No money the, has changed, but you've gained efficiency. But you've gained and then so so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, and it's people don't amazing. realize that. Um. Yeah, <laughs> the constant Reddit post. Uh, Tech Tribe Just is Google the only it. one I will recommend. Just Google Not it. because you of the quality of the contract, but because I know it's there. Um, yeah, Google, then go get sued, then go talk to Brad Gross or Rob Scott or one of the other MSP attorneys. Talk and, to your lawyer and make an MSA. Yes. That's the advice I give. Look, and they really love it when you bring an MSA and then hand it to them and then say, edit it. All attorneys really love that. Good luck. So... <laughs> Uh, anyway i've done that oh, here yeah. is what i think our msa should be what is your advice is how i generally phrase that because oh then your your attorney was talking shit about you in the break room i promise that's fine um, it, it is so i do take back to them and say these are things i want to protect against that i think are relevant um but i stopped doing the providing my own verbiage my own contract stuff because uh i found out later uh, attorneys really hate it um, similar to when we get our CFOs to tell us how to do our jobs. I mean, look, I don't, if they want to yell at me, that's fine, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I wrote the knowledge down and the verbiage I think should work. But yeah. if you rewrite the whole thing, I don't care. 
No, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's uh, not a big deal. You're gonna you're gonna write it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but there's a difference between a contract between a paragraph and a contract, right? Yes. Um. Yeah. Zoyberg brings up. Uh, he just did a partner first with Zen contract. Uh. This week. Uh. Yesterday, actually. Um. And they part of the thing is document management. Uh. And contract management in there. So, go check it out. Um. All right. I think we covered three stories and we uh and we talked about Webroot. I think that's a win for for MSP Community Live. Uh. <laughs> You want to hear my webroot story? I do want to hear your webroot story, please. So uh, we jumped on the webroot bandwagon at my old MSP, um, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. Um, and it was great. We had a couple of issues. But what massive software that you deploy everywhere that's an antivirus doesn't have issues, right? Yeah. Um, and one day, I was sitting like at 8.30 at my desk, uh, drinking my huge cup of coffee because I don't want to work. Because it's morning and I want to go to go play. Right, everyone, right? Uh, fueling for my day, and uh, I see some conversation going on in MSP Geek about Webroot has blacklisted Windows files and it is blue screening everything. Uh, the <laughs> the speed at which I disabled Webroot was uh, legendary, uh, and the amount of kudos I got because of the rapid response uh was great um it still never worked on terminal servers regardless of what they decided no, to do it kept once. loose creating terminal servers and it was the most frustrating thing for our staff but uh that is my community story is is that a lot of conversation was happening and it allowed me to look good at my employee or employer because of you know actions i could take so that's actually you know what maybe that should be a good talk to be submitted one day between you and me but um that was one of the things my staff, I've gotten so many responses back from my staff of how did you know this was going on? Like, where did you see, how did you find this email? How do you know these things are happening? And I'm like, well, MSP Geek, MSPRU, Reddit, like, if you pay attention, they're saying it in the very beginning. Um, I had a similar story. So that I think was the first web root screw up. Um, the second one, which I think was within six months of that, because I remember that happening. I wasn't affected by that one. Um, I was affected by the one where the logs were filling up and also blue screening servers. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, and that was when we exited Webroot. Um, but yeah, and that is... I think the MSP is out. still on Webroot. <laughs> yeah, I think they yeah. have recently left Webroot. Yeah. Well... Uh, like Dustin within the past today. six months. Yeah, uh, no, Dustin uses it today. So, you know... We, we... Bolander? Yes. Oh, that's more stuff I have to make fun of them about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a there's a delicious conversation in uh, the Connectwise channel uh, involving Dustin. If you're curious, it's very funny. Oh, good lord! Yes, I will uh, have, to, <laughs> I will have so. to check it out. Um, all right. So, and if you want to check out more, go check out MSP Geek, uh, the Discord or the Slack if you're so inclined. Discord's better. Go Discord. Um, what you call it or the forums? Uh, you can't get into Slack can. unless you know someone who's already in Slack. Oh, really? Oh, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh and go check out msp geekcon and uh coming up next week go check out kyle and mendy and dean and megan killian and all these other amazing speakers uh next week at rejection con and if you haven't scheduled already you haven't registered already go register there is no reason uh you can't listen to all these awesome talks um so all right kyle uh anything else you want to talk about before we uh let you go uh go by OIT Void. <laughs> that works. Uh, Not a sponsor. 
that that works uh which we've got all right ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining msp community live we appreciate all the comments and all the web root hate just kidding um but seriously register for uh rejection con msp geek con until next time take care of yourselves and each other This has been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.